This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about coleslaw. Yes, coleslaw, uh, <laughs> which I'm very excited to talk about, was surprisingly denser than I anticipated. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was surprised by a lot of this reading. I did not know that I was going to be surprised by the coleslaw episode. You know, we are constantly surprised when we are not expecting to be, which is kind of the definition <laughs> oh, yeah, of I guess, being surprised. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, we should mention that this episode is sponsored by Hellman's, so uh, thanks to them for making that possible. Yes, yes. Uh, they were, they asked us, what can you talk about with mayonnaise and using up other foods? And coleslaw was one of the top, top things that came up. So here we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, okay. So coleslaw in my life, I have, that's been something that I haven't generally gone for. It is, I'm fascinated by the fact that it's available everywhere almost like in terms of fast food or in terms of southern food especially like barbecue places yeah coleslaw is an option um i don't like dislike it it's just not the thing that i go to but okay. my mom used to make this like ramen noodle coleslaw that sounds very strange but i really liked as a kid oh yeah um yeah it was like dry i bet some of you know what i'm talking about it was like dry ramen noodles that you would kind of saute and put into this kind of very spicy, uh, bitter coleslaw. I really liked Ooh, it. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and also, there were a lot of fun puns I ran across with this one. And oh, one of yeah. my favorites was Slaw and Order from New York Times. <laughs> I see you. Appreciate it. <laughs> we see you when we feel seen. Yes, thank yes. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I will say that I I always I always appreciate like I feel like coleslaw almost shouldn't be uh, one of the sides listed on barbecue menus. Like I think that barbecue should just come with a little bit of coleslaw. Like I don't uh. want I don't want a whole like cup of it, you know. Um, right, but. I think it's important to like the barbecue experience. That makes sense. That's a good point. Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But it is like a good coleslaw is very, very good at like cutting a lot of those kind of like fatty yeah. flavors and pork. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think Definitely. I think you're onto something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I also I personally do not like coleslaw as a topping on sandwiches uh, or mm. hot dogs or burgers or, you know, however you want to categorize these th- those things. Um, <laughs> it's it's just a little bit too much for me at that point. Like it's a little bit messy and um, and like like I want it. I want it separate. 
Mm-hmm. I want it on the side. Yeah. Personal preference. Don't come for me. I'm, I'm not saying you yeah. shouldn't do whatever already, you want. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, uh, a Star Wars recipe, of course, I know, <laughs> uh, where you – it's very rich okay. um, already. Like, it involves, like, a sausage and a pork chop and Ooh, a uh-huh. wrap. And it has uh, coleslaw. Or I, I bet some people would fight with me about whether that, that's coleslaw, which is going to be a lot of this episode. Uh-huh. Um but I like it there, but it is something like within two bites, I'm like, okay, I'm good. But the <laughs> <laughs> right. it is delicious, but it's it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot going on. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh. uh, you can see our past episodes on Mayo. Um, carrots, I would say. Sure. Yeah. Shows up in a lot of uh, coleslaw. Uh-huh. Kimchi. Sauerkraut. Uh, the sure. recent episode we did with Dr. Julia Skinner on her book Our Fermented Lives, kind of sort of, because she talks about this history of cabbages and fermented cabbages, especially, but cabbage. But sure. And a lot of our dishes yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I guess lettuce is sort of related. Uh, and, and what, oh, what, what brassicas have we even done? I feel like I get these mixed up all the time. Um, Kale. Kale, definitely. Cauliflower. Okay. Um, we did one on mustard and turnips, and we, yep. I don't think we've done Brussels yet, although that's a question I ask myself like once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So and any any of those brassicas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which there are many, and many we have yet to do. So that's a fun to-do list. Right? Oh. Yes. <laughs> But I guess this brings us to our question. Oh, I guess it does. Coleslaw. What is it? Well, uh, (laughs) coleslaw is a wide category of salads made with uh, fresh chopped or shredded cabbage as the main ingredient, addressed with some kind of sauce and served as a side dish uh, or a topping. And I... As we were just saying, I did not understand the, the the universes that the word coleslaw can encompass until I started doing this reading. Um, it, it is a very localized dish. That There are iterations that are served uh, hot or cold with creamy dressings or vinegar-based dressings, relatively straightforward or with all manner of seasonings. And it's often further individualized with whatever you have around and want to add or, like, need to use up. Uh, Other crisp or crunchy things like crumbled bacon, chopped nuts, fried noodles, uh, fresh fruit or veg. And the result can be a lot of different things, but but you're looking at a dish that has crunch and tanginess and sweetness and freshness and, like, a silkiness, and, and thus is just very pleasing on its own. But also, right, really offsets and complements savory, rich, soft, chewy type foods like meats. Uh, Coleslaw is kind of magic. It's it's making something lovely out of simplicity and and scraps. Um, It's like like that makeover scene that you get in movies, uh, rom-coms in particular, um, but (laughs) the star of the film is Cabbage. Get it, cabbage. Right? Be your We're best self. You. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And okay, yes, cabbage is a different episode that we have not done yet. I'm nearly positive. Uh, But yes, it's a sturdy, leafy vegetable. And it is in the brassica family, which means that it can have these pungent, mustardy, or, or sort of sulfuric flavors to it. And there are a few different varieties uh, that the leaves will come in uh, like white to green or white to red, uh, variably smooth or wrinkly, more or less flavorful, and more or less crunchy. And all of these types can wind up in coleslaws, but but what the dish is basically aiming to do is to take this, this sort of rough and tumble vegetable and soften the edges, you, you know, keep keep some of the crunch and the flavor that, that make it itself, but make it a little bit fancy, you know, get some Vaseline on the edges of the lens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a glow up. <laughs> it is. I love this. Cabbage deserves it. Right? It's a little bit maligned, but it's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So depending on how much crunch you are going for, you might uh, chop your cabbage thick or thin in in slices or a hash or even grated into kind of like confetti. Um, uh, cabbages do have a lot of water, so you might try to drain some of that by applying salt and or sugar and then letting the water run off uh, in a colander or onto towels. That'll also tenderize the cabbage a little bit. Um, and warm coleslaw recipes will have a little less crunch still because you're going to be softening the cabbage a little bit during the, albeit usually a short, cooking process. But yeah, um, I've also seen recipes for grilling the cabbage before salad assembly, and that's wonderful. I need listeners to write in about this. I am <laughs> shocked by so much of this. So my like coleslaw experience is essentially you've got, I'm going to be real with you, the kind of sad one you get. Uh-huh. As a side at fast food restaurants, that is sure. like a little cup, and it's cold and kind of old and very like a lot of mayonnaise, <laughs> and then kind of the nice like vinegary one that comes with barbecue stuff, but that's like it. And then like the you know ramen one my mom made, but that right, that's I didn't know about like it could be hot or it could have yeah. all of these things in it. Like I need listeners to write it about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at this juncture in my life, I feel like I'm most familiar with, um, you know, someone bringing to a cookout like a tub mm. of supermarket coleslaw that's mm-hmm. kind of runny and yeah. and yeah, like a little bit sad and mm-hmm. and not doesn't really taste like anything anymore. Right. Yeah. But it can be so good. But it can be so good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. So, so right. So, so after you deal with your cabbage, then you've got your other add-ins, um, either chopped or, or grated crunchy vegetables or fruit like onion or bell pepper or carrot or celery or apple. Are, are all fairly common. And all of those are going to add a little bit of sweetness, maybe a little bit more um, uh, bite, maybe some bitterness in there. But uh, but yeah, folks can and do put anything in there. Uh, uh, nuts like walnuts or slivered almonds, uh, sunflower seeds, maybe some grapes, maybe some uh, raisins or dried cranberries, maybe some chopped pickle. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Dang, uh, whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> And then you've got the dressing. So so your two basic types are going to be creamy or not creamy. Uh, And people have strong opinions about this. Uh, But within those two categories, there are a lot of like sub-branches of strong opinions. (laughs) Um, All right. Because the creamy factor can be from a non-dairy sauce like like, like mayonnaise. 
um, or from uh, sour cream or buttermilk or, or some type of boiled dressing. Uh, a boiled dressing is a category of um, these tangy salad dressings made from cooking egg and vinegar together in a double boiler. That's where you get the boiled from um, with some kind of dairy, uh, maybe cream or buttermilk or milk or butter. Yeah. And then um, and then you add uh, flour or another starch like like cornstarch to thicken it. Yeah. So. So, yeah, from from all of these different types of, of, of creamy sauces, you're going to get different levels of tanginess and sweetness and, and thickness. Yeah. Strong mm-hmm. opinions are had. Love it. And I would Love never it. dare. I would never <laughs> dare to tell you what is no. correct. You tell me. Mm-mm. You tell me. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that the, the creamy types of coleslaw are usually served cold. Yeah. All right. Okay. The not creamy styles of dressings are going to involve some kind of vinegar um, and some kind of liquid fat. Uh, maybe you're going for a neutral flavor. So you're going to use, I don't know, like a, like a mild vegetable oil, um, a, a mild uh, just, just, like, just like white vinegar. Um, or maybe you're really leaning into an apple cider vinegar or sesame oil or bacon fat. These types may be served warm or cold. And I will say that uh, prepared mustard or mustard powder are popular ingredients in both of these types of dressings because they, um, well, A, they, they, they play up that brassica flavor, but also because they're emulsifiers. They, they help the liquids from the chopped veg um, and, and whatever vinegar you're using, plus whatever fats are in the dressing, play nice together, um, which is why I mentioned mustard here before we get into the other seasonings. Uh I don't know, man, uh, ground pepper, fresh parsley, brown sugar, honey, celery seed, chili flake, hot sauce, lemon juice, onion or garlic powder, paprika, poppy seed are the common ones that I've read about. And that's not getting into everything else. I mean, it's it's whatever you have on hand, whatever you like, whatever you're into, whatever you need wow. to use. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I do, too. But this is really not what I would have said about Golsa. <laughs> right. I love to learn. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah, I, oh my goodness, I really want to make like a vinegar coleslaw with hot sauce right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, heck, I really want to make a, a, a cream coleslaw with, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do, I, I'm not going to do it because it would kind of poison me, but with like a lot of paprika, like a lot of smoky paprika. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds so nice. It does. Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> if you are making this at home, um, which is, I mean, it, it can be a little bit labor intensive from chopping the vegetables. So if you have a food processor, that makes it pretty easy. Um, if you're making it at home, it's generally recommended to make it and then let it sit overnight in the fridge, you animal, um, uh, <laughs> so that the vegetables in there um, absorb more of the dressing and the seasoning and all the flavors kind of marry together. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and this is another thing I'm very curious about because uh, if it's not clear, uh, coleslaw is a big part of American, like like you said, cookouts or hangouts or just coleslaws around. Yeah. <laughs> At a lot of events. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious what it's like in um, other countries. So please let us know. Oh, absolutely. Listeners. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. I've read it's really big in Scotland. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, well, you got to confirm. You do. You listeners. do. Yeah. I've read that like you cannot order a sandwich in Scotland without getting some coleslaw. So okay, y'all tell me. <laughs> yes. Please. Please, please, please. Uh, well, what about the nutrition? Oh, it depends. That that <laughs> depends. Uh, it depends on <laughs> all of those factors I was just talking about. Obviously, a coleslaw made with like a lot of bacon fat is going to be <laughs> a different animal <laughs> mm-hmm. than one made with mayo or, you know, whatever you're talking about. So, yeah, um, uh, they do have a good punch of fiber from the the cabbage and those other vegetables in there. You're eating a vegetable, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends. You're checking off one of our boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Eat a vegetable. Yeah. Pair it with yeah. uh, with some protein to keep you going. Drink water. <laughs> Drink some water. <laughs> Eat some other vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have some numbers for you. Okay. This was another thing that was shocking to me. All right. 45% of the cabbage that is grown in the United States goes to the manufacture of coleslaw. That is shocking. That is shocking. I don't <laughs> understand that number. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we are not mucking around about coleslaw. We mean it. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, this isn't like, there's a number in here, but, uh, but f- fun fact, I guess, uh, there's a drag performer out of Boston who goes by the stage name Coleslaw. And she she does like a science infotainment event at the Boston Museum of Science. Um, there's a planetarium there and they host a bunch of kind of like public outreach, like science communication events there and, and other fun stuff. And apparently she frequently sells out all 209 seats. Amazing. Good for Coleslaw. Congrats. Love Good it. Good for Coleslaw. <laughs> Love literally yes. everything about this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there is a slaw fest that takes place every September in Indianapolis. Um, let me let me quote. Um, slaw fest is a festival for coleslaw enthusiasts featuring many types of coleslaw and unique coleslaw-topped entrees. Slaw tacos, slaw dogs, slaw slicers, horseradish slaw, slaw madness. All you can eat coleslaw. Feels kind of threatening. I (laughs) (laughs) slaw madness. Slaw. All you can eat coleslaw. (laughs) I mean, I'm excited, but I like it. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As of as of 2019, they were offering sample samplings of uh, of 20 different types of coleslaw, including um, and I quote the classiest slaw you'll ever eat. Which 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 is a uh, it's called charcuterie coleslaw. Um, it's it's shredded cabbage with salami, olives, and mozzarella in a red wine vinegar dressing. That is pretty fancy, right? Again, I don't know that I would have called that coleslaw. I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm just saying my world is being expanded right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, um, there's another festival um, in April in Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, it is the National Hot Slaw Festival. Uh, yes. Hot slaw and art, y'all. Um, there's there's a local iteration of coleslaw there that is made with diced cabbage, like like hashed cabbage, dressed in yellow mustard, mayonnaise, and secret sauce. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't find a, a recipe for this that wasn't on the Washington Post behind a paywall. So I I don't, <laughs> I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what it's made of, but it's it's very yellow um, and it looks great. Uh I think I think this festival started in 2022. Um, it includes uh, amateur and pro level slaw making contests, and also a hot slaw dog eating contest in which competitors have 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs topped with hot slaw as they can. What a world! <laughs> More power to you, uh. right? I guess do whatever you want. Is it spicy? I'm into it if it's really spicy. I I want I'm wondering what that secret sauce is. I'm like, yeah, is the hot slaw like because it's like the kind of burn of the mustard, or is it something in the secret sauce? Or, or and or is it served warm? Oh, that's true. That's probably what it is. I'm just so used to coleslaw not being hot. <laughs> or <warm>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Well. Mysteries. <laughs> Listeners, again, <laughs> if you know what the answer to our questions are very important questions. Yeah. Please write in. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, we do have a lot of history for you. We do. We do. And uh, we are going to get into that after we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so as Lauren said, cabbage is a separate episode. I, oh, yeah. I did look it up, and I'm pretty sure we haven't done it, but it's possible. <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's another one we've been putting off because we know it's going to be huge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. It is one of the world's oldest cultivated vegetables. So, yeah, big mm-hmm. topic. Uh, coleslaw's history traces way back, at least to ancient Rome, when a dish of cabbage, spices, vinegar, and eggs was a very favored one. Mm-hmm. Um, the ancient Greeks ate something like that too, and according to some sources. Uh, both the ancient Romans and ancient Greeks might have eaten it as a way to combat the effects of drinking alcohol. Hmm. All yeah. Right. Yeah. There's even a myth about it. Uh, it goes that the god of wine, Dionysus, drove a king who was sober and quite prim. And that's quoting what I read. I don't know this guy, but quite prim. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to insanity and to really twist the knife, uh, Dionysus murdered his son. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and in the spot where the king's tears fell after this tragic event, a cabbage grew. Huh. So, all right, there that's you go. quite a story. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, myths aside, early philosophers and writers espoused the health benefits of cabbage, especially when served with vinegar, hmm. which some argue is the precursor to vinegar-based coleslaws. Um, others at the time, other writers at the time, didn't like it, claiming it was 
I read in one place, antisocial. Huh. Because it had a strong smell and caused flatulence. Oh, all right. Huh. Sure. Sure. You know, antisocial. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> as the Roman Empire spread, so did cabbage, and many experimented with these cabbage salads. Um the British tried mixing in a rue-thickened dressing. The Germans tried throwing sour cream into the mix. And the Dutch, who founded what is now New York State, grew cabbage uh, there, especially alongside the Hudson River, from what I read, mm-hmm. and sometimes served it in shredded salad form. Historians believe they may have dressed the salad with boiled dressing and later sour or heavy cream. And they called it kusla, Um Cool, meaning cabbage, and slaw, meaning salad. And this is kind of a mess, but okay. A (laughs) lot of folks speculate that it was sometimes served hot during this period. And some also speculate that somewhere along the line, the cool got changed to coal, as in coleslaw. And people thought it was meant to be served cold because of that. Okay. Um, even, Even though the coal almost certainly came from the original word for cabbage, oh, which yeah. is still present in things like kohlrabi and kale. Uh, we've talked about that, and I know, at least in our kale episode, where for a long time, all of those things were called coals. Right. Um, the word cabbage first appeared in the English language, in the written record anyway, in the 15th century, and it was replacing coal. So that's, it wasn't, I mean, it was almost certainly that and not that we were going to serve it cold. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There is a whole fun and historically confounding etymology of the transition from the Dutch word coleslaw to the modern coleslaw and cold slaw and warm slaw and hot slaw. Um, It seems likely that people were, were hearing the Dutch cool K-O-O-L, uh, or perhaps misinterpreted uh, coal, C-O-L-E, and thought of the words cool, like the temperature, or, or cold. Coal, like cold? Yeah, sure. I, I don't know. Like, like I, can, I, can, I can hear that. Um, yeah. In some places in the United States, you still have people who call it cold slaw. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. I heard that was pretty, I think I did run into that. I heard that was pretty contentious as well. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of opinions in this one. Uh, okay, so cabbage was grown pretty widely in the 13 colonies. And as discussed in episodes like sauerkraut and kimchi, cabbages can withstand some pretty harsh conditions and can last longer than a lot of fresh produce. So it makes sense that it was being grown pretty widely and people were doing these things with it to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also... I think I've mentioned this before, but one of my pandemic traits, skills I've picked up is that I can pretty much tell you how long something will last. Right, yeah. And cabbage is your friend. Cabbage (laughs) can last quite a while. That's like the longest in my book of what I usually buy. It will last the longest. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Cabbage. (laughs) Um, Both vinegar-based and mayonnaise-based coleslaws do have a history in the United States. The vinegar version is longer. Uh-huh. Uh, that's because mayo wasn't invented until uh, the middle of the whoa, uh, 1700s. And um, certainly this dish was being made here before then. Um, for one example, in the written record, there was a guy by, by the name of uh, Per Kolm, 
um, who was this Swedish botanist who who studied under Linnaeus. And he wrote about his travels in America um, in the 1750s. And he mentioned in this travel log um, a, quote, unusual salad <laughs> that had been served to him by his Dutch landlady, which uh, I also, quote, tastes better than one can imagine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and he went on to describe these these long, thin strips of cabbage that were dressed with oil, vinegar, salt, and pepper, uh, uh, well mixed to evenly distribute the oil. Um, Does sound good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first mention of the word coleslaw in the U.S. popped up in 1785, although, again, that doesn't mean it wasn't being made. Uh, just the first time the word popped up. Yep. Uh, and again... Also, see our mayonnaise episode. But mayo, as we know it, was first invented in the mid-18th century. As always, there is a debate around who gets credit for first inventing it, what it was, uh, particularly between the French and the Spanish. Um, But the French certainly popularized it. Uh And when it comes to the U.S., mayo really took hold in salads of all kinds in the early days, like Waldorf salad. You know the salad. I have trouble pronouncing it, but you know. Um, (laughs) Like all all kinds of salads, and especially kind of these big hotel menus were throwing like, put mayo in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) And a part of that is because of its mayo's binding properties, which is also why it became popular in sandwiches. Mm -hmm. So in 1912, Richard Hellman, an NYC deli owner, started selling and marketing his French sauce mayo. And it didn't take long for people, often inspired by marketing booklets and campaigns, to start adding mayo to all kinds of things, including shredded cabbage, which, again, makes sense if they'd already been adding things like sour cream um, or, or heavy cream. Or, or a boiled dressing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So within a decade or two, publications were reporting on how mayo was a staple. Um, Another game changer when it comes to coleslaw is the food processor, uh, which just made it easier for people to make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shredding a cabbage all all by your lonesome is a little tedious. It's a little tedious. Um, And I will say, although Hellman's is, is again, the the sponsor of this episode, um, that that note in the timeline is just because it's it's what it is. That's right. It's part of the history. Um, mm-hmm. uh, by uh, by the middle of the 1900s, there were just all kinds of what I might call zany mid-century recipes for cabbage salads out there, um, I- incorporating a lot of popular processed foods of the day, like a canned orange sections or pineapple juice or peanut butter or marshmallows. <laughs> Yes. Uh yeah. Um and and yes, uh I, I regret and or am glad to inform you that there is a recipe out there for a coleslaw that is topped with a mustard flavored gelatin mold. <laughs> oh. I mean it's beautiful and terrifying again. Yeah, yeah. See our Oof. aspects episode for more on yes. that. Yes, see that one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And then I tried to dig into why coleslaw became one of our go-to sides in the U.S. Um, I couldn't find a good answer. I personally would guess it has to do with the price. It's fairly cheap. Uh, Generally, it depends on what you add in there, but very cheap. Uh Um, Shelf stability depending. I think the fact that you can make it a day ahead and bring it to an event is also perhaps part of it. Sure. Uh, The perceived 
health, also again, depending on what you put in it, mm-hmm. um, and a long history of these types of salads alongside fatty meats like pork. And it also is just a good way to use up some ingredients if you're open to experimenting. Um, it can be fairly easy to make. I feel like I'm putting in a lot of caveats because, again, coleslaw has, has proven to be more <laughs> complicated than I thought it was. But it can be something that's fairly simple, and it can be something that is as complicated as you like it. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like a canvas. It's a canvas. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I get. I, I feel like that's – I feel like there's a lot of things going on that made it this go-to dish that yeah. people – reach for think sure. like it has to be there yeah there's no um, question about it absolutely right I, I j- just the the kind of ubiquity of, of cabbage um and how how sturdy it is like you were saying like it like it really like you if, if you have a bunch of cabbage they're gonna be there for a minute unless you use them and eventually you're like okay i need to use this somehow um and then furthermore yeah america's love affair with barbecue and 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 that kind of thing and so right just really interesting kind of kind of crossroads of a lot of issues going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Coleslaw, we love you. <laughs> we learned a lot. We have. Uh, <laughs> we have. We have. But we do want you listeners to write in about your Coleslaw experiences and thoughts uh, around the world or in this very country, because I get the feeling that I could go like a state over. <laughs> And be very confused. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, with that being said, we do have some listener mail already prepared for you. Yes. So let us get into our listener, listener mail. Terrifying. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes the listener mail jingle takes a hold and I don't know where it's going. Yeah. It feels like coleslaw. Right? I think I mm-hmm. think right. Yeah, it's all about that surprise. It's true. It's true. That's what I love about it. <laughs> Zara wrote, I was just listening to your warming up with cream liqueurs episode where you guys were talking about being organized with recipes and grocery shopping. There's an app called Paprika or Paprika uh, that is great for being organized. You can manually enter recipes or if it's a recipe you find online, it can import it directly from the website. You can categorize your recipes whatever way you like. You can even search your recipe database based on ingredient. It has a grocery list function, which is great because you can manually enter what you need or you can sync it up with the recipe you plan to make. It will categorize your grocery list too, e.g. produce section, meats, canned goods, etc. It even has a pantry where you can keep a list of what ingredients you have on hand. You can create a menu, like if you were having a dinner party and needed to coalesce all of the different foods you wanted to make. It even has a built-in timer so you don't need to switch apps when cooking. It is definitely one of my most used apps and I highly recommend it. Ooh, yeah, that sounds great. That does sound great. I mean, that's essentially like a much more streamlined version of what I'm doing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I do uh, frequently forget that I have I have purchased an item. Oh, uh-huh. And then I put it away and then I it runs out of like wherever I normally keep it. And then I buy another one and it turns out I have like five boxes of bouillon cubes. <laughs> so this th- that will help with that, like keeping track of oh, those things. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like something I would not actually use because it's too, too it's too organized. <laughs> but if I ever got myself together like that, if I ever wanted to be organized, if I make if I made that choice, right, it sounds like a great thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will be there for you if yeah. you make that choice, right? <laughs> huh. Uh, okay. Uh, Connie wrote. Wow, talk about coincidences. This past weekend, my husband and I were in St. Petersburg, Florida, and ran into a liquor we had never heard of before, which is unusual since we traveled the U.S. and Canada for eight years in an RV and have visited many restaurants and bars over that time. Uh, The liquor was called Amarula and was added to some of the specialty cocktails at the restaurant where we were dining, a Three Bird Tavern. At first, I thought it must have almonds in it due to the similarity of the name to Amaretto. So hubby looked it up, and we discovered it was a cream liqueur, as you described, from South Africa. We each got a shot of it after dinner just to try it out. I thought you'd like to know it was delicious. It's uh, slightly lighter than Bailey's and has a lovely sweet flavor that isn't too cloying. It's a perfect after-dinner drink. I'm not sure I'd like it in a cocktail, as, like Lauren, I don't care for sweet cocktails. But as more of a dessert item, it was perfect. We got home, and the next episode of Savor to come up in my podcast feed was the one on cream liqueurs. So it was perfect timing to top off our weekend experience. I love this. Right? I love how many of you are writing in about this and how the timing was just right. Sometimes, Lauren, we can time things well. Completely accidentally, but so well. <laughs> really great. Yes. yes, and I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I do think that's a good point that sometimes you can enjoy like a small taste of something like that as a dessert item and less as a like drink or cocktail. Right, right. It doesn't need to be like a whole glass of it. Yeah, you can just have a little little bit to sip on and then just be like, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds lovely. It does. That sounds lovely. Um, Glad it was a good experience. Uh And uh, yes, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.